Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with resident strength coach, John Carroll. The Pillars of Health is on a quest to help you gain insight into the best ways you can manage stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition in order to live your best life. Stay up to date with the Pillars of Health podcast by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as CoachJohnCarroll.com. All right, episode 24 of the podcast. We have Brendan Weirich on the show today. This was a really good one with Brendan. I enjoyed catching up. Before we talk about what's upcoming in the podcast, a quick public service announcement. There are a couple of curse words in today's episode, and we are a clean content podcast. So just a warning ahead of time, mostly starting with S, ending with hit, that type of word, just in case there's some kids listening. Also, the email at the show here is thepillarsofhealthpod at gmail.com. While you're on the old Google machine, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you like the content, that would be amazing. With Brandon, we discuss rethinking the current healthcare model. We also talk about his training philosophy. We talk about how he goes about managing the four pillars of health and also overcoming adversity and life lessons. So some really good stories and insight from Brandon in this one. You're going to enjoy it a lot. Let's get straight in. All right, welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast. My name is Jonathan Carroll. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Brendan Rierich. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks for having me, John. Glad so, to be here. Yeah, delighted to have you on, all the way from San Fran. The Bay Area, the Sunshine State. The Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd rub it in a little more. We were just previously discussing the lows of Boston and the highs of the West Coast, so it's good to hear you're you're tanning while I'm freezing. So, (laughs) so real quick before we get into today's interview with Brandon, the email here at the podcast is thepillarsofhealthpod at gmail dot com. If you have a second, drop by uh, our iTunes, leave a little feedback there. That would be awesome. And apart from that, we're just going to get straight into it. So, icebreaker question, my friend. Looking back on your life to this point, what was the most questionable fashion trend you've ever bought into or tried out? Uh, well, here's the thing is I was all prepared for the top three books of all time. <laughs> I changed it. <laughs> and you changed it on me. So I'll give you this. I have never been into fashion trends. I am not fashionable at all. I mean, the 90s are great with the starter jackets, Right. the big big poofy jackets i will say i'm the uh, probably the opposite of uh someone who follows fashion trends you can talk to kevin carr and marco about that (laughs) i still have the same clothes from college uh i would say i started a fashion trend when i broke my belt in college and one i was too poor and two i'm way too cheap to go buy a brand new 20 dollar belt from target right that i used a bungee cord as a belt for over a year, and I actually had a girlfriend, so that's even more surprising. <laughs> I was just about to I ask, was, how did that go down with the opposite sex? You know, I, I was able to get a girl to like me and wear a bungee cord for a belt <laughs> for a year. I, I can't even make this up. My father could not believe it. So, so uh, is that is that like top of your resume? I'm crazy. Uh, yeah, that would be top of my fashion resume. So, I'm the last person to ask about fashion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, that's pretty impressive, right there. Bungee cord, and you had a girlfriend. That's that's uh, that's goals. <laughs> that's, that's goals. Yeah. Good luck, everyone else. <laughs> See what uh, you can do. <laughs> so I know you from uh, Mike Ball Strength Conditioning. You're over there. 
uh, an awesome time learning from you, being around you, coaching. Um, can you just give a little brief history of, number one, how you became a strength coach, and number two, how you ended up on the West Coast? Oh, okay, brief history. Well, uh, uh, my whole entire life I w- wanted to be in the NFL. And by the time I was 17 years old and I realized I wasn't going to be playing in the NFL, I thought the only other way I could win a Super Bowl ring is to be a coach. So I was went to college. I was actually originally an engineer, realized I did not want to do that. Uh, I switched my major to exercise science because I thought uh, I love the gym. Uh, I love the transformation process of working out and how it uh, applies to being better at sports or sports performance. So I went into that and thought, hell, I could win a Super Bowl ring by being a strength and conditioning coach. From there, uh, I met Kevin Carr, who is a strength coach at Boyles and also my best friend, business partner. And he was working at Boyles at the time that we were in college. And I was reading all of Mike's stuff on T Nation. That's when T Nation was where all the big names wrote, Cressy, Boyle, uh, Dan John, Mike Robertson. And uh, I was... I got to get an internship there. So Kevin set set me up with uh, Coach Boyle's email, and I actually wrote Mike a uh, five-paragraph essay, and Mike <laughs> Mike uh, pretty much begging Mike to take me right. as an intern. And Mike emailed me back and says, oh, yeah, sure, you start on Tuesday. There we go. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know how Mike is. He's right. very uh, exact and to the point, doesn't waste a letter or a second. Yeah. And uh, so I started there. As an intern, I was one of two people. The other person quit, and then somebody happened to leave Boyles, and there was an opening for coaching a group. And I said, hell, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. So I started getting paid uh, to coach there, and I worked my way up through the system. Um, As you know, a lot of people use Boyles as a stepping stone to go somewhere else. Right. So as people began to leave, I started to move up. And within three or four years, I was – uh, helping Kevin, uh, Sam, Dad, and another coach, Kyle Holland, run the place. And then those two left, and then I was running it with Kevin. And five years into that, God, how many years ago did I meet you? Four? Three years ago? Four, four. years ago? Yeah, four years. So four years ago, I was, so I was directing, uh, I was doing all the programming at MBSC, and I was running the internship program. I believe you were in my first internship class that right. I had. And... From there, uh, fast forward a couple of years, we'll call it a life event. I, uh, I moved to California for a girl and a baby. And uh, now three years after that, I can't believe it's been three years, I now have a, my daughter turns three in two weeks. That's so amazing. now I have a three-year-old out here. I started personal training. So mm-hmm. I moved on from Mike's. I still teach. Uh, for Coach Boyle, and I teach Certified Functional Strength Coach, mm-hmm. which is a course based off of the system that we use at MBSC. I personal trained out here for a couple of years, and then I recently just took a job with a healthcare company. And our whole premise is that we're trying to change the way healthcare is consumed. Uh, and <clears throat> I actually work in an office. I'm the only one who doesn't have a doctorate degree, which is mind-boggling to me. So I sit in a room with a bunch of doctors, physicians, uh, psychiatrists, chiropractors, physical therapists, right. and I am beginning the fitness wing of uh, this company is called Crossover. So mm. that's where I'm at now. I teach. I have a three-year-old, and I work for a healthcare company, and that's uh, oof, 
That's a long story short, but <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make story. it short. How's your daughter? How's she doing? Uh, she's amazing. We're, we just did Christmas, and she knows that Santa's a large man who brings gifts. Yeah. But she has no sense of time, so she just assumes that you get a gift every day because she'll say, oh, uh, there's presents on the tree. So, Dad, Dad, open presents? So, <laughs> no, uh, you have to wait till Christmas. Christmas? Yes, in a week. <laughs> a week? She doesn't, like, she doesn't know what a week is. So, right. And then she was sick recently, and I don't – if you've had kids, I, I didn't know this until now, but obviously they can't blow their nose, and you can't co- – they can't cover their mouths when they cough. Yeah. So there's just boogers and coughing everywhere. It's the most miserable experience because I'm like, cover your mouth, and she can't cover her mouth. And right. She can't blow her nose, so it's just, just it's mud. Nice, and, yeah. uh, they just lay on top of you, and just it's everywhere. It's, just, it's the worst <laughs> thing ever. So she it's can the highs talk and the lows, my friend. Can, yeah, we can have conversations. It's amazing. I, it's fascinating to watch them grow up. I'm sure you're sure. learning a lot in the process. Oh yes, a, a lot. <laughs> patience. <laughs> Probably the biggest thing I've learned is patience, because I have zero patience. When I want to do something, I yeah. want it done now. Right. Uh, and uh, they don't grow that fast. That's true. So as as much as I want her to be an adult now, but <laughs> then when she turns to be an adult, I'm gonna go. God damn it! I wish she was a child again. Right. It's so much easier. So. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying the process and I'm learning to have a lot of patience. That's good. At the same time, that's good. So just kind of thank getting, you for asking about it. Yeah, way. just kind of getting back to what you mentioned about the uh, the kind of the healthcare position you have. Mm-hmm. I train a couple of doctors myself, and there you know we always have the conversation where the topic of kind of streamlining the process of healthcare and and just kind of making a better kind of transition from someone who goes to see their doctor who may be overweight to maybe someone who's in PT, basically getting them into a workout regime and kind of streamlining that and making the strength coach part of that process. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think we've done a good job of that. Well, I mean, overall, not just us, but like, you know, the whole system in general. Is that something you guys are kind of talking about or? Yeah, so uh, we're trying to take an example from the sports world, right? right? So. The, the, but the, the issue with the sports world is they only have sometimes 15 to 20 players that they have to worry about. Yeah. So that athlete, as soon as something happens, they can get an MRI. They can go see a Cairo and a doctor. Uh, they can go and get a physical every single day if they want to. They can get massage. They have, a, they have access to everything you could imagine. And, of course, that's very, very expensive. Yeah. But it's, it's the preventative healthcare model. So the best way to keep – your players on the field or on the ice is to keep them healthy in the first place. And why aren't we doing this already in healthcare? Because, well, oh, there's a lot of money in sick care. Mm-hmm. And the company I'm with, we're trying to, what we do is, is we go into a big company and we say, hey, uh, we can keep your people healthier by giving them all of these options at a very low cost and sometimes, most of the time, even free. And the company says, okay, we'll give you all this money on the front end to keep our people healthy as opposed to spending all this money on sick care on the back end. Right. So we're just reallocating money that's usually spent only when the, the, the employee is sick or healthy or in the hospital. And now we're applying that before they even get there. Right. And hopefully that's where the model is going. And then fitness where fitness falls into that is right now in most healthcare systems, it's a doctor or a physician that works with a nurse. 
and they're their own silo. And then you have to go to another place and you have to go get your physical therapy in Cairo. Yeah. Then you have to go to your other place to go get your massage and acupuncture. Then you go to the gym, which is somewhere else in your town. Yeah. Why not have all of those things under one roof where everyone speaks the same language and I can literally go to say, hey, Mary, the physician, why, what, can, what can you tell me about Emily's uh, issues or Emily's multiple sclerosis or whatever, uh, fibromyalgia, whatever she has going on. And then I can say to her chiropractor, hey, what can you tell me about Emily's hip now? And then what can this person tell me about what they notice in massage? And now we're all working together, playing on the same playing field yeah. as opposed to all playing our own game. Right. And so just, I, we're very hopeful this is where the model is going. That would that would be awesome actually because if you think about it, PTs have come to be in you know the the strength conditioning facilities, which is one small part of it. But if we can get the whole lot together, that would be amazing. Right, and we've seen that shift just happen in ten years. Yeah. That all of a sudden, most gyms, a lot of CrossFits and stuff like that, have chiropractors and PTs that come in once or twice a week. But now we're talking about putting physicians under that same roof with behavioral health psychologists. Uh, and then you get your uh, luxury items like acupuncture and massage, uh, and nutritionists, and all that, and under one roof. Now you're and now you're playing a different ball game. So. Yeah. And when it comes to these companies and like you guys approaching them, are you kind of appealing to their desire to basically stop losing uh, hours and hours of productivity because of sickness? Is Correct. That, and yeah. that yeah, so that's one of the one of the selling points. So for example, at the company I'm at, they've, they use a bunch of data analytics and stuff. I can't even keep up with it, but they, they've proven that when you come to our company for back pain, that the average, there's averages out there for uh, how many sessions you need to see and how many doctors. So it's something you have to see like four or five doctors and you have to do 22 sessions of physical therapy before you're considered clear for the average uh, time for uh, acute lower back pain in a, in the United States. Yeah. At our company, we can do it in less than four sessions. Wow. So think about how much money you're saving on healthcare expenses and copay expenses and in lost work time. Yeah. Instead of 22 sessions and a bunch of doctors and you see one doctor and then you get four therapy sessions and then you're done. And then you then hopefully we're trying to funnel you into fitness because, as you know, fitness, the more fit you are, the more resilient you are, the more robust your cardiovascular system is, the less less likely you are to get hurt again yeah. or to even yeah, fall back and have to see your doctor and have to use up all of those health care expenses. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to Kevin a couple of episodes ago about sometimes when a PT is, you know, maybe a couple of towns over, 20, 25 minute drive, people are like, ah, you know, I don't know if I have time to head that way. And just having PTs in the gym is such a lifesaver for a lot of people. And now you're talking about just bringing the whole system together. I think that would be uh, definitely the way forward for the future, right? Right. You're, you're taking away barriers for entry. So yeah. now they don't have any excuse because it's like, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you can't see your doctor. He's literally right there yeah. They're in the next room over. So it's one-stop shopping. Uh, you could come in and get a physical blood work, see your health coach and your nutritionist, and then come get a workout all in a three-hour time yeah. span. That sounds awesome. Um, yes, and, and hopefully that's where it's going. And 
again, I'm a very impatient person, so I'd like it to happen <laughs> next year, but we're probably looking at the next 10 years here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So uh, just kind of dropping back to your MBSC days, one thing I noticed about you when you were coaching was you always had like a good time with your clients, you know, you had a laugh and a joke, but you also got the work done. Is there a certain approach you have when it comes to coaching and creating that, that fun atmosphere, but also, you know, emphasizing the goals that are uh, at stake? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great question. The When I first started out, when I was trying to make a name for myself and build my way up through the MBSC system, uh, I was definitely much too serious. So this was before you had ever met me or before you had got there. Right. And I remember it was Kyle Holland who really sold it for me. Was I'm just watching Kyle coach one day, and like Kyle, you would watch Kyle coach, and you would say, "Man, he he has this like laid back approach, and he doesn't seem like he doesn't get too worked up about certain things." Like, and then he was like, just looked at me one day. He's like, "Brendan, like." If somebody like doesn't do that split squat to, correctly, nobody's gonna die. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's a very good point. If if everyone comes in and they sweat, and they work hard and they enjoy themselves, and they didn't get hurt, uh, they nobody's gonna die. Like everyone had a good time. Like yes, like the split squat matters and the numbers and the sets and the reps and all that. But like at some point, you can't take it too seriously because you'll drive yourself mad. Yeah. You'll drive. <laughs> You'll get anxiety worrying about every single little thing. So I remember just coaching with Kyle one day. I was, I guess, the assistant coach that day with him and his like laid back approach. And I was just way worried way too much about what everyone was doing. And I just needed to step back for a second. Yeah. So I remember when he said that. And then from then on, of course, I take my job seriously. But uh, I also heard I can't remember. I believe it was Mike said one day, like if if I don't want to sit down and have a beer with you, uh, this relationship's probably not going to work. Yeah. And your clients are paying you for an hour to hang out because right. when you're doing a personal training session within three months, it is now a psychology session. It's no longer a personal training session. Your clients know that they're going to come in. They're going to foam roll. They're going to stretch. They're going to do the same exercises, maybe with a little bit more weight. And then they're going to condition at the end. And every once in a while, you'll throw them a change-up. But really, it's a psychology session. So if this person doesn't want to spend an hour with you, then the the session's a waste of time. And so I was like, wow, I really just need to kind of let my personality show a little bit more. I need to be a little bit more laid back. Um, and part of that all comes with time, right? So yeah. in the beginning, I'm I'm working really hard. I'm trying to make sure everyone knows that I know what I'm doing, stuff like that. So it partly comes with experience, but the time you guys out there, I was at the point where like, you know, if this person likes me, they'll listen to anything I have to say. Yeah. So if I, it's like your parents, right? Like your parents tell you to do something and they're like, well, you got to eat your vegetables. And you're like, screw you, mom and dad. What the hell do you know? <laughs> and then your football coach comes and says, oh man, you guys got to eat your vegetables, make you big and strong. And then you go home and you eat all your vegetables. And your parents <laughs> are like, what the hell are you doing? Like, oh, my football coach said this was good for me. And it's like, oh Jesus, but your parents have been telling you that for years. So, yeah, I, my, when you can relate with, like that with a client and you can literally get them to do it, you can get them to eat what you want, train how you want them to train, and it's just a continual conversation and you got to have fun while you're there too because, as you know, it's a lot, of, 
a lot of uh, hours yeah. spent at the gym. And if you're not enjoying it, it's going to be a miserable time. And sometimes you got to go in and you got to put on the uh, the old fake smile there and you got to do the fake clap and you got to do the fake <laughs> jump up and down and just tell yourself that you're enjoying it because it can be hard. It's a grind it for is a sure. Grind. It is a grind. Um, and, yeah, there's nobody in the, the business making uh, one million plus a year coaching people. Right. Um yeah, one no, thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. no. Uh, I was talking to one of my coworkers, Derek Chrysler, and just about by the end of the week, the two of us were pretty shot and just kind of comparing de-stress techniques and like, you know, he pretty much um, without him knowing, you know, we'll be on his phone at the end of the on a Friday and just kind of zoning out, staring at it. But that's you know <laughs> that's just that, that's the toll it takes, right? You know. It does. Yeah, it's, it takes a lot of energy. And every time a client comes in, you absorb all of that energy. And I really learned that from uh, doing massage therapy. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe in like energy transfer and all that stuff until I started working on people. And when you come in for a massage, you're usually coming in because you're bringing in a lot of bullshit with you. Right. So like when you're working with that person, they want to they de-stress. So therefore, you're absorbing all that stress and um, it's a little bit different than a personal training session. But that's when I really understood, like, oh, man, like when I do three or four massage sessions, it's only three to four hours of work. I am shot, absolutely shot, because I just absorbed. I, I need a break. Like you said, I just need to go sit in a dark room and stare yeah. at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like a personal training session, you do. I would say I get to around five or six personal training sessions yeah. or even three or four group sessions. And man, like all the questions, all the, all the stuff, pot fires that you're putting out, it just yeah. takes a toll on you. It does. So. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, uh, although I will say that with the personal training, like it's, you know, very mentally intensive, but with the massage therapy, that's physically and mentally. So you're kind of getting hit at both ends, you know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're, and as everyone most as with the human touch yeah, is a huge thing. Cause there's a, all the studies that the number one thing you can give a child is human touch, even before uh, food and water and all that is human touch is very, very important for a child to grow. Right. So therefore, we are innately wired, all of, all of us, to crave human touch. And when you start putting your hands on people with stuff like massage therapy, there that energy transfers magnified by 10 i would say yeah. compared to a personal training session was there a, was there a famous study where kids were taken away from their parents early on and not allowed any human contact am i right yep no that that's the study so i believe it was in the 40s or 50s what right. they did is they had some babies that were allowed to be picked up by the nurse yeah and some babies that were not touched by humans at all and within, I believe it was six to seven weeks, they had to stop the study because the babies that weren't getting human touch were so much smaller and they were not growing at all uh, because of all the hormones that get released from human touch and hearing a human heartbeat and stuff wow. like that, that they had to stop the study and start picking up those babies and feeding them like that because the other babies were fed by a tube while the other ones were fed by a nurse. Jeez. Yeah. That's fascinating. So it is. And then they also have all the studies with uh, monkeys. Yeah. So they take baby monkeys and put them in a cage. Not very nice, but for uh, science, they did it. And they have a monkey that's covered in hair, like a, like real monkey hair. And then they have a metal monkey that has just milk. 
and the baby monkey will literally spend all of its time with the the monkey that has the monkey hair or monkey fur on it because of the touch and the feel of the fur and it won't even touch the metal monkey even though it has all the food wow so okay yeah just shows you're in so in relation to your coaching or training philosophy how would you say it's evolved kind of looking back in your time and experience or what number one what is your training philosophy would you say you have one Yes, my training philosophy is using system of regressions and progressions. We meet people where they're at, and my objective is always health. It's never how tired you are. Right. So for me, tired is not better. Better is better. From a, the, a philosophy standpoint or training standpoint, so we already talked about kind of my evolution as a coach right. with the – I was so damn serious and I worked way too hard. Well, no, I didn't work too hard. I just, I was spending way too many hours grinding and hustling and not sharpening the saw and working on my skills, which mm -hmm. I'm much better at now. Uh, but from a training philosophy standpoint, I was Mike's evolution of a strength coach. So I started out uh, younger, bodybuilding, wanted to look good naked for all the 16 year old girls in high school. Uh, then I got into powerlifting cause I thought that would make me a better football player. And then I was the injured powerlifter where I messed up my back and my shoulder benching back from back squatting and deadlifting. And then I became the functional guy when I found coach Boyle. So my, my beginning philosophy was always performance, performance, performance. How much weight can you do? Mm -hmm. How strong are you? How big are your arms? And then it slowly shifted into MBSC's current philosophy, which is one, do no harm. Two, reduce performance-related injuries, because like we mentioned earlier, the players on the field playing are the ones that are winning the games, not the ones in the training room right. uh, who are injured. And then three is performance. So performance is actually third after health and uh, reducing performance and training-related injuries. So that's kind of how it's evolved, and that's kind of where I'm at now, which is honestly where how I got my job at this healthcare company. Because when you when you view fitness through a healthcare lens as opposed to a performance lens, your the exercises you select change completely. Yeah. Um, so like if you're way if you're much more worried about keeping that person uh, injury free and keeping them coming to the gym consistently than you are worried about whatever performance goal you have or fitness goal you have, that stuff's all a byproduct later on. Yeah. So that's my current philosophy and kind of how it's evolved. And if anyone has the time, go read Coach Boyle's Evolution of a Strength Coach article because I have a feeling that a lot of people listening to this will identify with that. Right. And you'll laugh the entire time because you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> That was me. Yep, that was me. I'm sure you can say the same with rugby right. and coming over here and then learning my system. It's complete change, but you still get strong. Yeah. You still feel good, but you, it's just you're doing it in a different way. So there's a thousand ways to roam. It's just I like taking this road. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've tried all the other roads. Right. I like this road. So one thing you mentioned there was, you know, the difference between making someone sweat as being your priority as opposed to 
health and them feeling good and maybe like being able to get a full night's sleep and not be so jacked up that they're writhing in pain or something like that, you know? Right. I think that's definitely one thing that's changed on the journey of a coach is, you know, early on, it's like I've got to challenge this person slash make them sweaty to a little bit more experienced coach where now you're thinking, how do I allow this person to live their best life, basically, you know? Right. I like to use the scale of one to ten. So the average person, they wake up to screaming children, they got to go to school, they go to work where their boss yells at them. And then they want to come to the gym and they want to get their ass kicked. Right. So they literally, so at a scale of one to 10 of stress, they live in an 11 all day long. And then they come into the gym and then they want to go to a 13. And then they go back home and they go have a glass of wine. They eat a bowl of popcorn and then they sleep five hours. So now they're at like a 17 out of a 10. (laughs) Right. Now my, my objective as a strength coach now is, hey, when you come into the gym, let's start with some breathing, foam rolling, and stretching, which, because you're at a 10, is going to bring you back down to like a 3 or a 4. 3 and 4 is where you recover. Yeah. Right? And then we're going to ramp you back up to like a 7 or 8 with our warm-up. And then when we're lifting weights, I want you to be at like an 8 or a 9. And then when we're conditioning, I want you to be at a 10. And then before you leave, you're going to do a bunch of breathing. You're going to foam roll again. You're going to stretch. I'm going to get you back down to a 3. And I want you to use these strategies to try to live your life at a three as much as you can, because that's where you recover. Yeah. Right. And what what do most people do? They live at a ten, and then they go to CrossFit, and they go to Orange Theory and Barry's Boot Camp, and they live at a twelve, and they just keep getting their ass kicked until they break. Yeah. And now those those workouts are great if you can survive them, and that's my issue: is if you can survive them, and the average person cannot. Most of the people take classes that can continue to do them are ex-athletes who are between the ages of 20 and 30 because you move a lot better you are much more robust you recover a lot faster but you don't have a lot of 50 60 7 year olds that are training crossfit six seven days a week i mean there's the anomalies there's the exceptions to the rule but if you want to grab the 80 percent of people who can't do that stuff which is what i would say mbsc does and uh, places where you train, John, and the way yeah. you train people, you grab the 80%. And guess what? The 80% pays your bills. Yeah. Right? The 20%, the 20 and 30-year-olds that can kick ass don't pay your bills. <laughs> it's yeah. people with expendable income. Exactly. So, for example, in San Francisco, I can charge an upwards of $200 an hour because of the living out here and the way the money out here, but there's not a lot of those people that are between the ages of 20 and 30 that – can handle any type of workout that are, that have expendable income. We're talking baby boomers here. Yeah. No, that's so, a f- sorry, go ahead. No, that, I was just going to say that's part of the philosophy as well. When you look at it from a healthcare lens, you're also grabbing a much greater pop percentage of the population as an option to train who are going to pay your bills. Right. Because at the end of the day, you still got to make money or you won't be able to train anybody. Yeah. I like the way you, you kind of use the scale there because that's a message I'm and other coaches where I work at the training room. We're continually trying to educate people on <clears throat> it might feel good, you know, going all out in a workout where you want to get your ass beat and, and stuff like that. But then at the end of the day, how much good am I doing this person? And I've got to educate them because I don't want them to walk away thinking like every time they come in, they're not getting what they need. You know what I mean? Like right. here's here's the reason we're doing this. 
Um, and maybe, you know, it's, you know, you're just doing a little strength circuit and you're aerobically working them, which is going to help them recover faster once they're done here. And maybe today we don't do some high intensity intervals, you know, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. the scale works great because people are like, why are we foam rolling? Why are we stretching? This is stupid. I'm not sweating. And you say, hey, listen, how stressed? All you have to do is say to the person, how stressed out are you right now? And almost everyone says, well, like a nine or a 10. You're like, right. okay, well, guess what? Nine or 10 is not where you recover from this stuff. So this is how we're going to start our workout. Don't worry, because nine and 10 are coming. Yeah. And every good coach knows you only need 10 minutes to kick somebody's ass. Right. If I throw you on the sled and I tell you to do 15 sled pushes in 10 minutes, you're going to be sweating, huffing, and puffing. You're going to go, you're going to go at the end. You're going to go, oh, shit, that was a great workout. Even though the first... <laughs> The first 50 minutes, we didn't do very much. And I say that in quotations because people equate sweating to doing a lot. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean you actually did anything. So the first 50 minutes, honestly, for me, is foam roll, stretch, activate. We're just prepping you for that last 20, 10 minutes of conditioning and strength that we're going to do. Yeah. So it's kind of like some, I, it's some a, readiness. It's a great way to so. explain it. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I totally agree with where you're coming from, and it's uh, it's the education part which I think a lot of a lot of coaches fall down in, and maybe you know just personal trainers and stuff like that. Where I think if we can get the message across, it'll be better received as to you know today is more of a high day, maybe tomorrow's low a uh, low day, just to enhance your recovery and so on, and and kind of right. giving them the reasons why we're training a certain way and kind of tying it all into what kind of Joel Jameson's been going on a lot about recently about a little bit more aerobic work in there in order to enable the uh, recovery. Um. Yeah, it, you hit the nail on the head. It's education. And if, as the coach, you take that on as one of your responsibilities, that you are much more than just somebody who writes a program on a whiteboard, that you are educating these people. And Kevin, uh, Kevin Carr has a wonderful talk called um, Movement as Medicine, prescribing the number one medicine in the world. And he starts out that presentation by saying, "There's a there, the slide says 100 versus 4. So 4 is the average number of times that somebody sees their medical doctor. And that number is skewed because most people don't see their medical doctor at all. And then you have some people that see their doctor 50 times a year. Yeah. Then the number 100 is the number of times that a personal trainer or coach could have an impression on somebody if somebody came and trained with you two days a week. So that means I have 100 chances to impart knowledge and education on the client where my doctor only has four chances per year. So uh, a personal trainer has a much, can, can have a much bigger impact than most doctors do. Yeah. Because you have that many more impressions. So like instead of looking at it like, oh shit, we got more squats and bench presses today. Okay, yes, that stuff you got to do. It's important, but there's also the education piece, like explaining to them why it's important to foam roll and stretch and why it's important to do cardio and why it's important to eat healthy and stuff like that. So once you start reframing what your job is as a coach to being much more than just writing the program down, uh, every the whole industry starts to raise and we all get better. Yeah, yeah, I think that's key. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well right there, my friend. I'm going to have you go into a little bit about how you and Kevin came up with Movement as Medicine and uh, kind of set up your own business. Okay, so we are in, let's go back to 
sophomore year of college, we're sitting in one of our gen ed classes, Kevin and I trying to uh, keep our eyes open because we're bored to death. <laughs> and him and I are reading Gary Vayn- Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It. And Kevin and I started a blog. This is when blogs were just starting and they were becoming huge and everyone had one. Uh, this was 2007, no, 2008. Right. Uh, we're reading Gary V's book. We're all excited to start a blog, blah, blah, blah. We start writing down our workouts. If you go back and read the blog now, you'll laugh because it's absolute crap. But <laughs> you know what? We started. We started writing down exactly. what we were doing. We started writing down our ideas. And that's where it all began. And one of our professors at UMass Amherst for our kinesiology department uh, wrote a – it's a diabetes research study. And the name of the article – was movement as medicine. Uh. So if you go on Google right now and you type in movement as medicine, UMass Amherst, that article will pop up. And I looked at that and I said, that is the best name I've ever heard for a gym. Or uh, we didn't think it'd be massage. We thought it was going to be a gym. And I said, I love that name. And I said, that's going to be the name of our gym someday. And this was 2008. Okay. Fast forward seven years later, Kevin and I are working together at Boyles. Him and I are kind of sharing the duties there. Uh, we both see the need to put our hands on people because if people have so many movement dysfunctions, uh, tight muscles, and neither of us have the bandwidth to go back to physical therapy school. And I'm not saying that you go to massage school to skip out on fer- the physical therapy school. That's those are they're two different things. They yeah. both go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But don't think you're just going to go to massage school and be a trainer and skip out on physical therapy school. That's a whole nother talk later. Right. So we go to a th- uh, massage therapy school and we say, okay, how do we start implementing this with clients now that we have massage and personal training? And it just so happens uh, opportunity presents itself and we're ready. Uh, I believe that's a John Wooden quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boils expands from 12,000 square feet to 30,000 square feet. So we bought or started renting out the bay next door to boils and in that bay or warehouse bay there is office spaces so kevin and i approach mike and bob his business partner and say hey um we graduate from massage school in a month can we rent two of the office rooms back there and do massage and they're like sure why not if it doesn't work it doesn't work but everybody wins we make money our clients get a new service we get to do massage therapy stuff. We have our own company, Movement as Medicine, inside of Mike Boyles. Yeah. And Mike's, Mike's the type of person that will, is always for create uh, you creating opportunities for yourself. Right. So much more than Mike's going to be like, hey, you're doing a great job. Here's a uh, hundred thousand dollar bonus. Like this, this is just not going to happen. So, but if you want to create op- opportunities for yourself there, which we did by creating Movement as Medicine and going to massage school. He is all for it. So people are like, why would you let these guys start their own business? And Mike's like, well, the better they get, the more money we make, the better the company gets. So why not? Yeah. So that was kind of Mike's view on it. That's how we started. We started out by doing just free massages for the first three months. So I did two or three free massages a day. I worked on my clients. I worked on all the coaches at MBSC. I worked on you a few times. Yep. Lucky guy. You're quad, right? <laughs> the, you pulled I, I actually wasn't injured. I wasn't injured. You just wanted to work on me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you definitely had a quad injury. I remember. Right? Yeah. Was it quad from it was soccer? Quad, yeah, from, from uh, uh, Gaelic football. 
Gaelic football, yes. Well, it, it wasn't easy. You made me work for my money because you got those <laughs> big-ass quads. But, yeah, so from there we had three months of free sessions. Then we started charging people, and initially it was just clients that we knew at the gym from our groups, personal training, and then we started getting referrals outside of the gym. So people that didn't work out at Boyles, people that doesn't work out at all, um, and people just telling their friends about us. Uh, we started making connections with other physical therapists in the area who started sending us people. Um, and then I left three years in. We hired uh, Marco Sanchez, who now runs the clinic. He's the performance or the clinic director at Movement is Medicine, and he went to massage school. And then we actually hired two other therapists, Scott and Nicole, who also went kind of down the same path. And now we have three employees, Kevin and I. Um, Kevin handles most of it now and handles all the operation stuff. I do some of the social media and stuff, but um, maybe I'll come back to that later. I don't know. But when I moved, I handed it to him. Right. Um, so that's kind of how we started, how we got there, and where we're at now. So we actually have employees. April 1st will be five years that we opened. Um, the average business lasts two years, so yeah. I'm pretty proud of that lasting five yeah. years. That's a great um, achievement. Congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you. So I think everyone there does about three to four massages a day and then six to seven personal training and group sessions per day. So not no one's there doing just massage sessions. And the, the premise of what we do is that uh, in order to for us to work with you, you have to exercise as well. It doesn't have to be with us, but you also have to exercise. So for example, we had somebody come in and a very large man with bad knees said, uh, Hey, um, can you just massage my knees? And we're like, yeah, like, sure. Like, but you got to exercise. Like you got to do some homework here, some squat exercise. And the guy's like, nah, I'm not going to do any exercises. Just rub my <laughs> knees. And we're like, uh, yeah, like this might not be the place for you. Like there's a massage envy or an elements down the road and they'll just massage your legs. Cause that's not what we do here because in order for this to get better, like our goal is to not have to see you. Yeah. Like, I want you to come in because I like you and I want to hang out with you, but let's do that for training, not for massage stuff. Right. Um, and people really appreciate that. They're like, oh, shit, like, you don't want to just take my money every week? No, like, if you come in and you want a relaxation massage because you're stressed out, that's different. But if you want to actually get better, then we're going to have to do some stuff. And then on the side note piece that I was talking about with uh, it's not a replacement for physical therapy, uh, we don't work on we, – we do neck massage, but we don't work with neck injuries we don't work with acute injuries. We immediately ship that stuff out to people who are better than us. So right. we have a referral network of physical therapists. We have John Haloff, who's at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning. We can send people over to him um, that we're not comfortable with working with. And again, if you don't want to do exercise, then we're probably not a good fit for you. Right. And I think Kevin mentioned this when I when I talked to him on the podcast. And if I'm correct, I think he actually turned that guy around. Like he got him to a point where he wanted to exercise and basically embraced the whole routine of exercise and having the massage on site, you know? Yes. And I, I think that was a different was plan, a different but there's definitely been, it's well, I remember that guy, that guy left and never came back. The one I mentioned, but there have been a lot of instances where Kevin's like, listen, if you're not going to exercise, I'm yeah. not going to work with you. And then people are like, Oh shit. Like, if this guy's supposed to, be, if movement is medicine is supposed to be as good as they say they are, and all these people referred me here, and these guys are telling me I need to exercise, then I should probably do it. And we've had a lot of people come in and 
say they're not going to. And then, yeah, like you said, like Kevin probably spoke about it. Like, yeah, like they'll start exercising because, hey, uh, you know this bad hip you got? Like I got some exercises for that that will help you if you'll do them. Right. And when people see that it works, they're they're totally bought in. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's it's one of those models where it's not like, okay, come back at this time next week, we'll do the same thing, and there's no end in sight. It's like, no, here's a plan to get you better so I don't have to do this on you for the rest of your life. And like you said, I think people appreciate that. They do. And uh, that's, again, we're building on that, where that hopefully that healthcare model is going. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're kind of jumping around here topic-wise, but it's all good. I'm having fun. Are you? Uh, i I'm enjoying myself. You've got me to talk a lot. So if I if I talk this much, then you know I'm enjoying it. Nice. <laughs> so we're going to discuss a little bit life changing event that that came up at the age of 26, and you don't have to go into a whole lot of detail here. But mm-hmm. uh, if you want to just mention it and kind of give me your main takeaways, because it was definitely uh, an experience, right? It was. It was. Well, here's the thing is I was telling somebody else about it today. And Coach Boyle always uses the analogy for training kids as or the art of coaching. Uh, some kids have a lot of ice cream and they need some shit mixing in their ice cream. <laughs> a lot of other kids have get a lot of shit all day long and they need some ice cream mixed into their shit. Right. And really what he's talking about is. So you got your rich kids who never do anything wrong and their parents do everything for them. Those kids need shit. So like they need to hear sometimes that like, Hey, I need a little more out of you. Like that wasn't good. Like I expect more out of you, like, because they don't get it. Then you have your kids that literally all day long, they hear about how awful they are, how stupid they are, uh, that they're a bad kid, that they suck at school. And then they come to the gym. You got to mix some uh, ice cream in there. You say, Hey man, that was a great, uh, clean that you just did. That was awesome. Like, look at how much better you're doing than you were last time. Yeah. So like for me, I was one of those people that had had a lot of ice cream. I hadn't had a lot of shit in my life. So when I got sick, uh, long story short, short, I'll try this again. I don't know how short it's going to be, but I got diagnosed with a disease called aplastic anemia, which is a autoimmune disease. So my body attacks my bone marrow. So I had very similar symptoms as uh, leukemia or lymphoma. So originally they thought I had cancer. <clears throat> the treatments are pretty similar. So I had to go in and get, well, originally I was slated for a bone marrow transplant. And luckily I live wonderful place where I can get amazing health care. And they did these crazy tests that basically said I didn't need to do the bone marrow transplant, which I found out is the number one most evasive uh, surgical and uh, medical procedure there is because you're under critical watch for like 90 plus days, oh, which wow. is mind boggling. So I'm very grateful I didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Did all these tests and basically they found that I could do this. Uh, it's called antithomocyte globulin, which is a, it's an antihistamine and basically it's an immune suppressant that would shut down my entire immune system, get it down to zero and press reboot on the system. Like you would reboot your computer when that stupid pinwheel is spinning. Right. Uh, same thing. So they pressed reset and thankfully it worked. Uh, and that was three years ago, knock on wood that I'm good now. Nice. Um, so yeah, it, it was an experience that I wish upon no one, but I wish the pers- the perspective it's given me on life. And really it's, the little things are the big things, and the big things are the little things. Yeah, 
uh, is what it comes down to. And because I had never had anything, well, I'll even say awful or terrible or from a uh, mental or physical standpoint happened in my life. I, I had a pretty cush upbringing. I never had any deaths or sicknesses or anything bad until I was 26. And then it's just pile it on with right. this, this disease. So I spent, it was a nine month treatment and I was treated as a cancer patient. So I went to the oncology ward every day and I got to see everyone going through chemotherapy. And it's just like, man, it's it's not easy, but there's a lot of people just putting their foot for best foot forward and just getting after it and doing it every day because that's what you have to do. There's no choice. Like, so you just got to get it done. And I think the other thing is is that we are much we are capable of way more than we think we're capable of. Yeah. Like sometimes I think I'm like way behind and that I have no shot in doing this and that I I was like why am I even bothering? And then I think about stuff like that. I'm like nah like this is nothing. This is chump change. Like, this is easy. I can do this. I just got to put my mind to it. So for me, it was really, I got some shit mixed into my ice cream and it was great because it, it just changed my perspective on life. And especially as a father having a God, my daughter wasn't even one yet. So I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to think about here more than just, am I going to be a good coach or not? Right. Um, right. I did. There's just, it just put life in perspective for me. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't wish something terrible like that upon anyone, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So it did make me a stronger person. Uh, it made me live a better life. I slowed down a lot. So again, I stopped, uh, I like saying that I, I'm not a big fan of the word hustle or grind Yeah. because like if you're always on your hustle and your grind, when are you ever working on your skills? And that was kind of one of my issues is I was crushing myself with work and trying to be the best and learning and attending every educational thing that I was never like getting, was never sharpening the saw and people were probably getting the 30 per probably getting 30% of me as opposed to a hundred percent. And my goal now is to give everyone a hundred percent of me. And the only way I can do that is by taking care of myself. Right. Um, Cause if I don't take care of me, I'm no good dead. Like my daughter I'm no good to my daughter if I'm running on 30% or I'm not here. Right. So therefore I have to make myself the number one priority, which I never did. So my sleep, my nutrition, my exercise, I go to the doctor, I go and get blood work every three months, even though it sucks because I have to, because I need to know if this is coming back. And if it does come back, I need I, it. So they gave me a 50, 50 chance of this coming back again. So I better be on top of it. I'm yeah. not going to just, walk through life and pretend it's never going to come back again because that would be ignorant and I would be up for a rude awakening, especially if it did come back. Yeah. So your life changes, you get a new perspective, life slows down a little bit. I'm much happier now. I take much better care of myself. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, uh, again, short story. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the, there's a uh, lot more to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, along with the maybe increased visits to get blood work done and, you know, healthcare provider, et cetera, what else would you say have changed regarding self-care? Uh, sleep is number one, hands yeah. down. Uh, best number one supplement in the world, sleep. Yeah. I was not getting – I was sleeping, God, six hours a night, maybe max for all of those years. And, I, I mean, yeah, maybe all that – the shit I did to myself – 
the way I worked, the way I took care of my body over that five-year period is what brought it on. I don't really know. They say environment uh, or genetics loads the gun and environment pulls the trigger. So something in my environment, I had already been pre-genetically disposed to something uh, like this, an autoimmune disease, and maybe all the terrible, the way I treated myself is what brought it on. Right. So yes, yeah, sleep has been the number one thing. I, For me, it's uh, completely blacked out. Uh, I, I have black curtains so that there's zero light. Um, I have a fan going for noise. I keep it at, uh, I like sleeping at 66 degrees. I bought a $900 mattress. And as you know, I wear bungee cords for belts. <laughs> so for me you to can spend afford nine, it. <laughs> yeah, but for me to spend $900 on a mattress means it's really effing important. Right. So yeah, I take sleep very seriously now. I wake, I go to bed at ten every night. Wake up at six, so it's eight hours. Um, of course, with my travel schedule for certified functional strength coach, sometimes it gets messed up. But you've just got to get back on the wagon as soon as uh, soon as you can. Yeah. So sleep's been the number one thing for me, uh, from a physical and mental standpoint, and from uh, what I learned about being sick is uh, you got to sleep because that's, that's when you recover. That's yeah. that's how you get from being at a 10 all day down to a 2 or a 3. Exactly. And I think that's lost in translation to everybody who is constantly on a 10 until it's, you know, something that maybe shocks them into, into changing, you know, which is unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like, yeah, I hate using the term rock bottom, but sometimes you have to hit the very bottom to right. know – where to go next and for me to make so i'm the type of person that's all in or all out so i'm 100 percent in or i'm 100 or 100 out so for me like i needed some shit to happen again i needed shit in my ice cream in order Mm -hmm. for me to make a change or else i wasn't going to do it yeah um and thankfully i've changed for the better i think awesome awesome so you kind of alluded to it there. We're going to get into talking about the pillars of health when it comes to you personally and maybe what you recommend to the people you coach and stuff like that. And so you kind of talked a little bit about sleep and the and the uh, environment you like to create for optimal sleep. Is mm-hmm. there anything else that goes along with you getting a good night's sleep? Uh, alarm clock. I bought the best purchase I ever made was an $8 alarm clock on Amazon, one of the travel ones. So it has a flashlight on it and just uh, two knobs on the back for the time and one for an alarm. And I leave my phone in the opposite room. So I do set my alarm on my phone mm-hmm. so I can hear it through the door or the wall as a backup alarm. Right. But I, I took the TV out of my room. I took my phone out of my room. The only three things I do in my room are sleep. Uh, the other S word and read. <laughs> uh, snooze. <laughs> snooze. Yeah. Sleep, sex, and read. So those right. are the only three things I do in my room. That's it. I have clothes in here. I get dressed. That's it. That's all my room is for. Um, I think that's very important because you're setting the intention every single night that when I enter this room, there's no distractions. It's at the right temperature. There's yes. no extra lights. No one's going to bother me. I'm going right to bed or I'm going to read for a few minutes and I'm out. Yes. Exactly. Um, and that's been huge for me because I've always lived in studio apartments. Right. Where your living room is your kitchen, is your bathroom, is your bedroom, yeah, <laughs> um, is your also your desk and your office, which is messed up. Um, so I finally moved to a place where I could have a bedroom, uh, and that's been huge for me. Nice. So those are my big my big uh, priorities for sleeping personally. Awesome. Yeah, no, I like the uh, the old school approach with the alarm clock. That's uh, that's definitely the way forward. Yeah, it is. I I can't believe more people don't have them. If I was to buy a gift for somebody, uh, it would be 
to buy those $7 alarm clocks on yeah. Amazon because it's that – I think it's that important. It can change someone's life to get that – well, because you know what happens is when you wake up in the middle of the night, what's the first thing you do? You look at your phone. Exactly. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like, well, let's see if I got any text messages <laughs> since 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, look, there is one. Okay, now that's, I'm going to write this email. Oh, shit, I should probably look at the scores of right. the of football game. And it's like, oh, it's ridiculous. Slippery slope, yeah. It is. It's too easy. Way too it easy. Really is. It really is. Well, we're trained to, to follow the path once we're on there, right? That's right. The, all right. Uh, the, stress management. Yes. Well, we've talked about this a lot, yeah. but sleep, sleep, number one. Yeah. Uh, read for me is number two. When I feel like I'm I'm getting stressed out or like I'm, I'm just going way too hard, way too fast, I sit down and I read a book. I don't care what it is, just reading for me, just kind of reading is the – Reading is a place to go when the only place is here. So reading takes me to another world. It takes me into someone else's life uh, so that I don't have to be worrying about my own or thinking about my own, which is what I love about reading. Right. Um, and then the stress management for me is taking action. Um, I got a lot of shit from uh, – well, I shouldn't say shit. I got a lot of advice from people when I was moving out here to California for what I did. Right. People were like, don't go. That's stupid. Like you're giving all this up. Like, but here's the thing is like, I was, I was depressed. I didn't, I didn't have any answers. I didn't know what the fuck to do. And I said, you know what? The only thing that's going to make me change my, uh, my mindset and the way I'm living right now is to just take action. And that's why I said, you know what? I'm just going to go make the move and Boston will always be there. So I just did it. Yeah. And I took that, I took that action. And the minute I got there, I felt a million times better because I had done something about it and then I could continue to do stuff from there. So I think when people are feeling stressed out, it's usually partly because of procrastinating and it's because you're avoiding the shit that you know you have to do that you don't want to do. And then it just builds up. Procrastinating is fine, especially with like writing emails and stuff. I don't, I write an email and I don't send it the next till the next day because I'm waiting on it. But I did take the action of writing the email and then I'll edit it in the morning before I send it. Right. Uh, but it's just taking action, like even just opening up uh, the web pages that you know you need to go research stuff. Like just opening the web page is already taking action to the next step. And for me, that that decreases a lot of my stress because it's like, okay, maybe it's not done yet, but at least I'm moving towards getting it done. Because yeah. I, I was, again, I was somebody who would, I'm very impatient. So therefore I need to take action, but I'm also somebody that will, if something like bad is happening, I'll completely brush it aside, <laughs> which yeah. is like my aplastic anemia, right? Like I was literally forced into taking action. I couldn't right. be like, ah, oh, nah, like, yeah, that aplastic anemia stuff. I'm just going to wait until uh, <laughs> next week to handle that. It's like, no, you got to do it now. You don't have a choice or you're dead. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well that really forced me into taking action. Like there's no procrastinating on that stuff. So for right. me, it's sleep, read and take action. Nice. I like the, uh, the the point on procrastination. That does cause a lot of stress for people and without them even realizing it at the same time. Yeah. It, it's not that procrastination is bad. Like sometimes you have to wait. What's bad is that you're waiting for something that's inevitable and yes. then it just builds up. Right. And I think it's just the so, mental baggage too that goes with it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. When it comes to nutrition, what's your approach in that department? Uh, I'm an 80-20 guy. Okay. 
I will never give up ice cream and I will never give up barbecue sauce ever. <laughs> Those are my two things. I will never give them up. Right. I am also of the, I live a realistic. So I, I, I personally, I have a realistic view of like, I travel a lot. Therefore I'm not going to eat super well. I do my best, but sometimes man, when you're stressed out, you're tired. I eat like shit. Sometimes I like to drink beer. I like to go out with my friends for me, if I can be good 80% of the time, which for me, good would be meat and vegetables. So lots of vegetables, add a little meat to it. Uh, 80% of the time, 20% of the time, I get to do whatever I want. Um, I'm not looking to have a six pack. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about that stuff really, right. personally. Um, I just want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I want to enjoy my life. Right. Uh, there's a wonderful article by Precision Nutrition. Have you ever read the article, The Cost of Getting Lean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that article. If anyone on here hasn't read it, go read it and share it with people who want six packs and stuff like that. Cause it's a very, it's a great 3000 foot view of, uh, what it takes to, to maintain a lifestyle like that. And I'm just not interested in it. Right. Um, so meat, vegetables, and then I like my ice cream, barbecue sauce, beer, friends, chicken wings, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's good for people to hear because, I think there is this preconceived mentality of, you know, co- strength coaches who are in shape. They're like, oh, you you must never eat sweets. It's like, no, I, I eat sweets, you know, just... All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have <right>. sweet, <laughs> sweets occasionally, but I mean, I'm not, you know, eating them for every meal, but it's not like, I'm, you know, I can't have sugar ever again, you know? Right. So I think it's and, this... And I think, it, and again, it's way easier. To, this is, goes back to the being able to relate to your clients and have fun. Yeah. It's way easier to talk to your clients when you do those things. Like if I walked around with a gigantic jug of water and I only ate out of Tupperware and I ate chicken and vegetables for every meal and I looked, I only wore spandex, <laughs> my clients would be like, I don't want to fucking work with you. Like you look like you're just a douchebag like that. That's right. not going to be a fun hour. Like maybe you look good. Maybe we can train once or twice, but that person's not going to invite you to their house for dinner. Like, and as much as like people say you you shouldn't, you shouldn't get too friendly with your clients. Uh, I mean, yes, there's certain people where you want to kind of, you want to set a boundary, especially when there's, there's age boundaries with younger and older. But, um, I, I've been on vacation with my clients in Italy who are in their seventies I've been out to jazz, jazz clubs with clients, out to dinner with their their wives and friends, and I bring my family. Like, it becomes a family affair, and again, it's you're building a community as well. So it's way easier for me to relate to somebody where I'm like, yeah, like I love that ice cream place. This is my favorite place. You should go there. Yeah. Then it is like, oh my god, I would never eat that. You're gonna get fat and you're a loser. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. You should drink a whole gallon of water a day. Um, yeah, I, well, I would never put that in my body. Like no, nobody wants to work out with that guy. No, like, no one. No. So, but um, yeah, I would, I, I would love to see you in some spandex, though. Uh, <laughs> I might actually shift to a ninety-five-five diet then <laughs> for a little while <laughs> before you got me in spandex. Spandex with the uh, bungee cord around the waist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! How about just the bungee cord? <laughs> <laughs> Two bungee cords. I'll make a Borat outfit. For oh you. my God, that would be amazing! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the bungee cord bathing suit. Borat two coming soon. Borat. Oh my! All right, let's move on. All right, uh, last one. <laughs> exercise. So I'll, this is my kryptonite. Honestly, I 
it's funny because I got into this industry because I love to exercise. I love the process. I love lifting weights. I loved watching my bench press and trap bar go up. And for five years, I didn't work out once, to be mm. completely honest. Uh, it became everyone else's workout. My workout didn't matter anymore. Yes, I was still active, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I did not take care of myself again. So uh, recently, this year, so last year, my goal was to read 100 books, which I completed. Go, Brendan. Nice. Uh, so this year, I wanted to make exercise a priority. So last year, I was probably working out two, three times a week, not, not like I should have been or wanted to be. So this year, my goal is to work out 260 days out of 365. So that means five days a week, I have to do something for half an hour. That's it, a half an hour. It can be run, it can be bike, it can be lift weights. As long as it's planned and I'm exercising and it's an activity, a hike, it counts. Nice. And safe to say, I believe it's the 15th, correct? Yes. I've only missed one day because I needed the day off. So I've worked out 14 days already this year, which is uh, almost probably double uh, <laughs> what I did the last three months of 2017, which is huge. So all I did was the big thing for me was I put a I made a gigantic calendar on a whiteboard in my uh, garage mm -hmm. where I work out. And I just wrote down, this is what I'm going to do today. And half an hour later, I just set the clock. Even if I don't want to do it, set the clock for half hour. And I'm really making it a priority this year. Um, personally, I just do what feels good. Uh, I'm not, I do some barbell stuff every once in a while, but mostly kettlebells, dumbbells. Yeah. Sometimes I follow the what's not sore workout, uh, personally. So, Hey, my glutes aren't sore today. Let's make those sore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but as you know, like when you've worked out, so I've worked out since I was 12 right. and between the ages of 12 and 20, I worked out two hours a day, every single day for eight straight years. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't work out at all for five years. All so right. it's, it's a lot of the stuff you hear about professional athletes. Like they play soccer from the time they're five years old until they're 30. And then they don't touch a ball again until they're in their sixties. Cause they're just so burnt out yeah. from it. So I was burnt out. I was spending all my time and energy on other people. Um, and now I'm finally back to again, taking care of me. So really I had to get my sleep in order to get my energy back. And then I had to get my diet back in order and my stress management down before I started exercising again. Yeah. And if you were to make me pick what you do first, it would be sleep and nutrition first Yeah. Um, for most people because the more you sleep, the more energy you have, the better you eat, the more you want to work out. Exactly. Um, so personally for me, I had to go sleep first, nutrition second, and this year I'm adding exercise. Yeah. Yeah, the whole saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead is like, yeah, you're kind of missing the point. Yeah, you'll be dead pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good, uh, you'll be dead at 50 and I'll live to 85. So that gives me 35 years to complete more shit. Um, well, I always tell people too, like when I got sick, I always said, uh, you know, I have the next like 50 years of my life to work. Right. So if I take the next nine months off and I have 50 more years after that, nine months isn't a lot. Exactly. Because like I was so scared to take, I was like, oh man, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose all my clients. I'm going to have no money. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll be dead. So <laughs> I'm going to take the next nine months off so I can work the next 50 years. Right. I think actually a lot of people listening to this may identify with that mindset because that is that is quite common, right? A very common. It, it's so hard to take a sabbatical, especially when you're sick or somebody else is sick. Like if your parents are sick, it's like, 
yes, like you do need to do stuff for yourself too, but man, take, take it off. Like you have a child, like take the first few months off. Like, obviously I know in some, uh, it's not as easy in at other companies and America's not great with setting people up for that stuff. But if you have the option, I think like, man, take the next month off, like go enjoy your family. Like, uh, uh at least for me personally, yeah. I, it's I not easy. It's, it's much easier to say than to do than to do. Right, right. Well, prioritizing too, and kind of seeing the big picture, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, my man. This has been awesome. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, where can people check you out on social media, website, all that good stuff? So our website for so training, we got movement dash as dash medicine dot com. Uh, at Movement as Medicine as our handle for Instagram, Twitter, and our Facebook page. For me personally, you can Facebook me, Brendan Rierick, B-R-E-N-D-O-N, not an A, it's an O, R-E-A-R-I-C-K. Or you can, my Instagram handle is, uh, I came up with this title, it's been my MO since I got sick, Collect Moments, Not Things is my Instagram handle and the S is a Z. So collect moments, not things with a Z. If you can remember that, maybe you can put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Very good. But, uh, yes, feel free to send me a message. My email, if people want that is Brendan at my last name, rearickstrength.com. Brendan at rearickstrength.com. Anyone at any time can email me. We can talk, talk shop, whatever they want to do. Awesome. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Anytime. Guys at home listening, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. And as we say here in the podcast, don't just work out. We want to train for life. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon.